Good morning. Good morning, planet Earth. This is your good friend, Dan. Good morning to the various people living in the mountains, living like Jeremiah Johnson. It is July the 20th, 2023, Bo Blimpdock. It's right around 3.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Scompton, Utah. Yeah, July the 20th. It's a Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. What are you going to do tomorrow night? Take out your girlfriend? Take out your wife? Take out your husband? Go on a date? Where are you going to go? First topic, and this is a quote from Dr. Freckles, a gift with strings attached is not a gift. A gift with conditions is not a gift. If somebody sends you a package and it looks like a gift, but it has a note on it saying, if you don't do this, you're going to get in trouble. It's not a gift. In fact, most likely it's a curse. And if you see the name Ted K on the from, <laughs> it's definitely a curse. It's a curse. I, um, I, like most of you, have had birthday parties, and, and I've gone to a birthday party, and I bring a gift, and whenever I brought a gift, I might put a note on it saying, this is, you know, your happy birthday gift. Say something nice. This is appropriate. This is fine, right? But I've also had people, quote-unquote, help me, okay? Quote-unquote, provide me gifts in the past. And in, in these other cases... It was like, well, you can have this, here's a gift, but, here's the hairy but. If you don't do A, B, C, and D, you're a craphead. As a reminder to my Christian listeners, um, the prohibition against cursing has zero to do with foul language. If you think cursing has something to do with foul language, then you have been misled. But you probably attend a 501c3 church. So yeah, you're probably being misled. Okay? If you give somebody a gift with a condition, it actually ends up operating like a curse. A curse is like, let's say you wish somebody dead. That's a curse. Saying fuck you, especially if it's just fuck you as in please get away that's not a curse but if you say to somebody i hope your family dies because you didn't wear the coffee filter i hope your family dies because you didn't get the vaccine i hope your family dies because you don't support gun control that's a fucking curse and it doesn't matter if an atheist says it it doesn't matter if a christian says it if 
if the Lord hears it, and by the way, the Lord hears everything, it's a curse. It's a dark prayer. It's you requesting that some force in the universe, or God, if you're a Christian, smite somebody, punish somebody. And in the Old Testament, holy smokes, the chosen people were cursing all the time, cursing this, cursing that. Cursing was a thing. But that was another covenant. That was another, another agreement. That was another situation. And that's not where we're at in the game, brothers and sisters. If you give someone a gift, you give it willingly. If you give someone a gift, you don't say, Oh, how did you spend my gift? How did you take the gift I gave you? That's not the same as giving responsibility. In the New Testament, there are several parables that deal with the idea of giving someone responsibility. That's not a gift. And responsibility has built into it the things you're supposed to do. So if you come back to me and say, well, Dan, what about the parable of the talents? That's not about a gift, really. That's about something you're supposed to do. That's a responsibility. And if you don't know the difference between a gift and a responsibility, or the difference between the word fuck and wishing somebody dead, then you have been misled as a Christian. You've been taken down the bad path. And, and I hope you find a way back. But here's some good advice. Before Lord, before the Lord, before God and Jesus, if you give someone a gift, you don't attach strings to it. There are no conditions. I've had friends and family members give me gifts over the years, and in a lot of cases, they had strings attached. I've learned my fucking lesson. I've learned it deeply. Be wary of anyone that gives you a gift with a condition. Next topic. But Dan, no, no but Dan's. You should, you should just try to understand. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. I'd rather be disappointed expecting the best from people than, be than, than to be satisfied in the hell of expecting the worst. What does that mean? Well, I've had some interesting people enter my life in the last decade, really after my divorce. And, and one of these people I call the Goat King and he lives in Ireland. And, you know, I don't want to talk about him because talking about him gives him power. Gives a deceiver, a liar, a grifter power. Okay? And then the year after that disaster, a disaster that almost destroyed me, a disaster that completely wrecked me financially, a year after that, I met some other folks that I've come to understand, you know, might have also been grifters of some sort. Frankly, they could have been feds. It's hard to say. People like us don't get to know. We don't. And we're too close to the end to even worry about it. It, it, it. You know, it's like I tell people, and I don't think anyone hears me. This is not Germany, 1933. This is Berlin, April, 1945. Okay? That's your analogy. That's where we're at in the game. We've been there and done that. We've conquered, we've killed, we've committed acts of genocide. We have already gone down that road and Hitler didn't teach us shit. 
So this is not Germany, 1933. If that's the analogy that allows you to sleep at night, you should throw it away. And that's a little off topic, but when I think about the last decade and, and the various people I've met, I've come to understand that at times I'm too trusting. And it's, and it's strange. It's a weird thing. Back in, I think, 2014 or 2015, I kind of would wake up in the morning and tell myself, try to be more optimistic. Try to be more optimistic. It wasn't easy. 2015 was one of my most pessimistic years. And also, financially, one of my fucking best. I want you to think on that, brothers and sisters. One of the most pessimistic years of my life, okay? I had faith in God in 2015. The problem was I didn't have faith in people at all. One of the most pessimistic years of my life, one of the darkest years of my life, one of the years where I came close to falling into that hell of despair was also financially, in terms of debt, in terms of money, one of my best. So in 2016, I decided to do something that I thought was a little bit risky. And looking back, it was. I said, you know what, Dan? You got to learn to trust some people. You got to go out there and trust people. I made mistakes. Here's some good advice. Don't trust random people on the internet. And that includes me. Do your own fucking research. Okay? Don't assume because somebody has a podcast that they know that, that, that they actually know what the fuck they're talking about. But I will read the quote once again so we don't stray too far. I'd rather be disappointed expecting the best from people than to be satisfied in the hell of expecting the worst. That's it. It's not just because I'm a Christian. It's not just because I'm an anarchist and I believe in a free society, a truly free society. That, that's part of it, but that's not the whole picture. I don't want to live in a world where everybody's a piece of shit. Maybe we do. I mean, again, I'm a Christian. I understand prophecy to the extent that I'm capable. I know what signs of the times are. And frankly, living in a world where just about everybody's a turd, <laughs> that's in the Bible too. That's in stuff that Jesus told us. He told us what it would look like. And to paraphrase, he kind of said that towards the end, people would be turds. Not everybody. Not everybody, but enough people. Enough people. Enough people such that the ground is being laid for the Antichrist. That, that's how many. And, and the number is something that, you know, the God, the God knows the number. The Lord in heaven knows the number. I don't know the number. Jesus knows the number. But, but maybe we should just stick with enough people. But even if that's the case, even if enough people are turds at this point, would you want to live in a world where you assume that every person you meet is a turd? Would you want to live in the world where you assume that every person out there is a piece of crap? Understand that there is an admonition, there is a kind of requirement for Christians to take care of the widow, the orphan, and the stranger. 
Do you want to live in a world where people tell you that all the homeless people are drug addicts and all the homeless people are criminals and all the homeless people are crazy? By the way, you just described Microsoft campus and Washington DC, the political elite. But yeah, would you want to live in a world where you simply assume that when you see somebody in trouble, well, they must be in trouble because they're bad. The world that Jesus was born into was a lot like that, especially when it came to the Pharisees, especially when it came to their approved state religion. It was the kind of world where if someone was poor, people would assume, well, they're being punished. They're being punished because they were bad. They're being punished because they were evil. I would rather live in a world where the voice of Jesus, the voice of Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And he basically says to us, you know what? Maybe a lot of strangers are giant turds, but you know what? You should still try to assume that they're not. You should still have an open heart. No matter how many times it gets stepped on, you should still have it open enough. It doesn't mean you need to be stupid. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But don't give up on the human race just because people are telling you that everybody's crap. Everybody isn't crap. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there right now that are basically walking, talking turds. But the good news for me and the good news for you is it's not your job to judge them and it's not mine. It's the Lord's. I would rather be disappointed. I would rather be angered. I would rather be sad and crestfallen, expecting good things from people and being disappointed, rather than to sit in my own private hell, assuming everybody's a giant turd and waiting for the world to burn. That was 2015 for me. Next topic. Dan, yeah. So there's a song that came out in the 60s, I believe. And I think, I think Barry Maguire wrote the song, but he certainly sang it. And the song is called The Eve of Destruction. I'd like to read the lyrics, but I also have a link to the song in the notes. And I would suggest you listen to that song today if you want to. The Eastern world, it is exploding. Violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating. But you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, how you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? Can't you feel the fears I'm feeling today? If the button is pushed, there's no running away. There'll be no one to save with the world in a grave. Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you, boy. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, how you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Yeah, my blood's so mad, feels like coagulating. I'm sitting here just contemplating. I can't twist the truth. It knows no regulation. Handful of senators don't pass legislation and marches alone can't bring integration. 
When human respect is disintegrating, this whole crazy world is just too frustrating. And you tell me over and over again, my friend, how you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. And think of all the hate there is in red China. Then take a look around to Selma, Alabama. Ah, you may leave here for four days in space. But when you return, it's the same old place. The pounding of the drums, the pride and disgrace. You can bury your dead, but, you, but don't leave a trace. Hate your next door neighbor, but don't forget to say grace. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. No, you don't believe it. You don't have to listen to the song and you don't have to like me having read the lyrics. Uh, it's kind of up to you, but I'd recommend it. I, I would recommend it. it. It might actually, you know, when I was in the service um, training to be an officer, one of these exercises uh, we would do would be basically squad leadership, squad tactics. So you'd, you'd lead a squad, which is roughly nine soldiers, depending upon configuration. But before you went on a mission, one of the first things you would do is take a knee. Your entire squad, take a knee right out past the line. You stop, you take a knee, and you listen. You listen for the conditions of the battlefield. You listen for the conditions of the world. The first thing you do once you cross that line to begin your mission, you take a knee and you take a sense of what the fuck is going on. That's why I would recommend listening to this song. Next topic, Dan. It sure is a next topic. We're going to get to the next one. I, I'm going to read you some William Shakespeare. Okay? This particular piece of Shakespeare comes from a play called As You Like It. I believe one of his comedies. And it's spoken by the character Jacques. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Oh, I'm a Shakespeare. You're a Shakespearean asshole. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. His acts being seven ages, at first the infant, muling and puking in the nurse's arms, and then the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shining morning face, Creeping like, creeping like snail, unwilling to school. And then the lover, sighing like furnace, with a woeful ballad made to his mistress' eyebrow, then a soldier full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard. Jealous 
in honor, sudden and quick in quarrel, seeking the bubble reputation, even in the cannon's mouth. And then the justice, in fair round belly, with good capon lined, with eyes severe and beard of formal cut, full of wise saws and modern instances. And so he plays his part. The sixth age shifts into the lean and slippered pantaloon, with spectacles on nose and pouch on side, his youthful hose well saved, a world too wide. For his shrunk shank and his big manly voice turning again towards childish treble, pipes and whistles in his sound. Last scene of all that ends this strange eventful history is the second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. Dan, why did you read some Shakespeare? <clears throat> In recent podcasts, I've discussed something that I've called a bugbear. And, and just so you understand, a bugbear is a couple things. It's a term from Dungeons and Dragons, but it's actually also a description of a fear that is irrational. I will give myself credit that for my bugbear, I, excuse me, my particular fear, I call it a bugbear. I've called it a bugbear to my listeners. So even if I'm wrong, I'm admitting the possibility that I'm wrong. But I've also pointed out when it comes to this bugbear, it doesn't have to be true to be the next narrative. I'm going to propose a theory. All of the military psychological warfare since early 2020 is covering up something. But what if it's covering up something that is just a deeper lie? Okay? Bottom line is, when it comes to a particular issue, and that's the environment, I think all sides are lying. I think the conservatives are lying. I think the liberals are lying. I think all the politicos are pretty much telling us bullshit. Do I think there's something going on with our environment? Yes. Do I think it has anything to do with global warming, climate change, your fucking car, or eating a cheeseburger? No. Not at all. Not at all. But if you read prophecy, specifically Daniel and Isaiah and parts of Revelation, if you read prophecy, one of the indications that you might be close to the end is a situation that looks a lot like the world right now especially when it comes to the fires, especially when it comes to the heat, okay? I grew up around the Puget Sound. I grew up around the Puget Sound back in the 70s and 80s. I am not trying to gaslight you. If you think you have a different experience, you go ahead and send me an angry email. But take note, if you tell me you grew up in Bangalore, then I'm probably not going to take your perspective that seriously. I grew up around the Puget Sound. The Puget Sound is trashed compared to when I was a kid. Trashed. It's not the same place. When I was a kid, you could toss a line in the water, fish out a Dolly Varden, or maybe a small salmon. In fact, when you walked the shore as a kid around the Puget Sound, the shore was a light, like a rainbow of life everywhere. 
Compared to when I was a kid, the Puget Sound is a dead sea. Do you know what an apex predator is? An apex predator is not the canary in the coal mine. It isn't. It's not even close to that. The apex predator is more likely to be described as the fat lady when the fat lady sings. If you look at the condition of orcapods in the Puget Sound in the last few decades, what you're seeing is the fat lady. You're not seeing the canary. The canary left the fucking building decades ago. What you're seeing is the top of the pyramid, and the top of the pyramid is wobbly. So you can gaslight me all you want to, Mr. and Mrs. Republican, but you need to understand something. I believe you're lying too. I think you're full of shit. I think you cling on to some bullshit article to make you feel better about something you don't understand any better than I do. But from my personal experience, the environment I grew up with, okay, several decades ago, it's not the same. Does that mean people did it? Well, maybe, but not the way they're describing it. There's something fucked up happening in the sky, and it's gotten worse in the last decade. I started noticing it and recording it in 2015. You can visit my archives, assuming Bluehost doesn't cancel me. Um, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Neither do you, shithead. And you can call it contrails all fucking day long. You can explain to me how that happens at a high altitude where the air pressure is, how can I put this less? It's not higher pressure, it's lower pressure. You can go through your process of explaining how the fuck these high-efficiency engines that are mostly turbine fans now, which means they're basically blades pushing air, how the fuck they're creating cloud formations. But I've recorded it. I've recorded planes flying over, and then I've recorded cloud formations that form, I don't know, 15 minutes later. I don't know what's going on, but I can tell you something's going on. You can gaslight me all you want to. You can send me an angry fucking email. I don't care. My bugbear that I've talked about in recent podcasts, and I've talked about more or less since late 2019, has to do with something called the clathrate gun. And the clathrate gun refers to essentially methane hydrate that's in a stability zone. A lot of it in the Arctic is in a place called the Eastern Siberian Arctic Shelf. By the way... The Ukraine war kind of makes research there a little bit difficult, convenient though, right? Um, methane has been bubbling up in the Arctic for the last decade. The permafrost, if you believe what you're told, is collapsing around the Arctic. The permafrost is essentially frozen shit. It is. You know, it's more complicated than that, but it's frozen organic material. And if given half a chance, the microbes will rapidly convert it to various things, including CO2, not a big deal, nitrous oxide, probably a big deal, and, and methane too. You ever notice that the liberals never talk about nitrous oxide? Nitrous oxide is almost 2,000 times more powerful a greenhouse gas than CO2. And methane, which they mostly kept quiet about until the last fucking decade, over a 10-year period is 200 times more of a greenhouse gas. As the permafrost collapse, it's going to release a shit ton of nitrous oxide, a shit ton of methane, 
And, and CO2 becomes completely fucking irrelevant at that point, as if it's a problem, which it probably isn't. Now, this is my bugbear, and it has nothing to do with your car, nothing to do with voting for Trump or voting for Biden. And if you believe the natural history you've been told, it's probably something that was always going to happen. But here's the interesting thing for the atheist turned Christian. If you read your prophecy, a lot of prophecy matches exactly what's happening in the Arctic right now. Now let's talk about the devil. I've said this, and I know you might hate it, but I think it bears repeating. The oldest profession, as Dr. Freckles has often said, is not prostitute. In fact, that's a lie, but that'll point us in the direction we need to go. The oldest profession is grifter. The oldest profession is mindfucker. You ever see those paintings of Native Americans scaring buffalo over a ravine? We have been mind-fucking each other and mind-fucking other creatures for a long fucking time. The oldest profession is con artist. And the oldest grifter, the oldest con artist of all time, is Satan. And all grifters love the theater. I like the theater, too, not for the same reason. Grifters love the theater because it's good practice. It's good practice to play pretend. I mean, what does the devil do? He comes up to you and says, hey... Would you like to have a new home? But he doesn't own the home. Would you like to buy that bridge? He doesn't own the bridge. Hey, would you like this crown? That's not a crown for anything. When Jesus was in the desert, Satan offered him everything. And Jesus, being the son of God and being infinitely wise, looked at Satan and basically said, what you're really offering me, and again I paraphrase, is a steaming pile of shit. Everything you're offering me will turn to shit. All of it will fall to nothing. Satan is a grifter. And when the Antichrist shows up, you'll find out that the Antichrist is a grifter too. And all grifters, like all great actors, need a fucking stage. They need some stage to stand on. They need a theater. They need to pack the theater. Now I'll tell you something. The COVID, crapola, the bullshit race war... All the military psychological warfare we've been exposed to, mostly of the trauma-based mind control variety, all of it has been in a way setting a stage. But perhaps on a deeper level, it's been validating a bigger lie. A bigger lie, a, a much larger lie, that when that lie becomes obvious, will become, I believe, I can't prove it, it it's, a, it's an intuition. I believe that bigger lie which again could relate to the clathrate gun, is the stage. It's a stage that the Antichrist will walk onto. He'll say, I got a solution. I got the secret. I got the, the ancient powders. Why don't you buy my patent medicine? Would you like a little laudlin? Hey, I can fix that global warming thing. What if all the bullshit since 2020, and I know this sounds weird, has been a purposeful attempt to validate, need I say, may I say, sheep dip, a bigger lie. And that bigger lie, which I think is related to the clathrate gun, is going to be that particular platform 
that the Antichrist walks out onto. Read prophecy. Read Daniel. Read Isaiah. Read all the prophecy throughout the Old and New Testament. Certain things pop up over and over again. One is the idea of boiling seas. Well, maybe it meant that the seas would reach a temperature at which they boil. I don't think that's, the, that's it. I think boiling seas refers to methane. Methane leaking up from the bottom. Well, guess what we got right now in the Arctic Ocean? Boiling seas. Although, like I said, conveniently, with the Ukraine war, 70% of that research is off limits. Boy, isn't that fucking convenient. And the other 30% is under the control of NATO. You know the people that tell you the truth? That's sarcasm. I had a dude try to tell me that this referred to um, a super flare. The problem is when you read the passages that relate to this, it doesn't describe something that happens in a day. And a super flare or a gamma ray burst would be something that happens more or less instantaneously. It'll happen and it's more or less over. It definitely is not something that would last several days and if a gamma ray burst lasted several days, um, the earth would be toast. And that's not the story. This is the point here. I'm a Christian, so I'm connecting my faith to this. If you're an atheist, I would suggest researching the clathrate gun. Because if you're an atheist, you could roll the dice and say, well, that's the truth, and they're trying to hide the truth. As a Christian, I'm telling you, there might be a deeper lie, a deeper narrative. And many people have already, you know, suspected this. They proposed that global warming and climate change would be the next great emergency. But a lot of these folks, you know, they, they pick and choose their perspective on this because they want to think that their existence of flipping homes and buying cars and doing all the things that, yeah, are, are very enjoyable and very worldly. They want to think that all goes on forever and ever and ever. It's one of the reasons why so many 501c3 churches preach a doctrine that there's not going to be an end times, that this doesn't come to an end. In fact, a lot of these churches are already beginning to talk about, well, maybe there are aliens, and maybe, the, the, and maybe you know, we're just going to become a big super whatever of the whole universe, and it never ends, and we all get to have, you know, cheeseburgers and apple pie and travel through the sky and live on Mars. And what I'm here to tell you as a Christian, none of that's ever going to fucking happen. Ever. It's possible that when the Antichrist shows up, he shows up kind of as, a, as an extraterrestrial, as an alien. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if he shows up and says, I'm, I'm from a planet. We're also humans on this planet and we created you, and you got it all wrong with that Christianity garbage, but I'm here to tell you the real truth. And before I do, I'm going to give you two or three years of amazingness, and I'll fix the global warming. And if there's another monkey herpes, COVID, I'll take care of that too, and I'll bring the races together as if it was ever a real race war. It's possible that when the Antichrist shows up, he shows up as an alien. I do think that's possible. But what I want to make the key point here is this. All this fear, all this division, all this hate to include 
all those things that orbit around climate change. All of this is a perfect type of environment, a perfect biome within which the Antichrist can flourish. The devil's a grifter. The devil has the oldest profession. He was in the garden. He said, hey, Eve, you want a cigarette? What's a cigarette? You want some whiskey? What's whiskey? Well, if you eat this apple, you get to find out. The devil is a grifter. The devil founded the oldest human profession. Humans have been mind-fucking each other for thousands of years. If you think it's a new thing just because we've applied science and technology to military psychological warfare, you are deeply confused. Mind-fucking is an ancient art form, and the greatest mind-fucker of all time is the devil. Next topic. So if you get upset with me because I talk about the collapse of the permafrost, understand that as a Christian, I don't see this as a thing you should be afraid of. I see it as potentially the next sign. And if it does become the next sign, this doesn't mean that we are necessarily, in that eschatological sense, on the eve of the end times. But my 50-50 has gone up to 70% already. If that happens, it's going to go to 80%. I still won't know when a thief arrives. You won't know either. It'll be a thief in the night. But we can, I think as Christians, observe the world and observe the signs. And perhaps as Christians, we can recognize the road ahead, right? Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. As a spider... In my beer glass, so the devil waits. As a spider in my cup of coffee, so the devil waits. As a spider in my water, so the devil waits. The devil is always there, like a spider in the corner, simply waiting for you to be weak enough to say, well, Jesus ain't done nothing for me lately. What do you got, devil? And that's when the spider crawls out of the glass. As a spider in my beer glass, so the devil waits. I, I was drinking beer the other day, and I didn't check the glass first, and I poured the beer. And inside of the glass was a daddy long legs. And I pulled it out, and frankly, the beer tasted a little weird afterwards. But I'm a fucking hobo, so I'll drink the fucking spider beer if I have to. But what occurred to me is that at that moment, is that's kind of how evil works. We think we're doing one thing, but we're doing another. It's like charities and NGOs. People will see a commercial for a charity, and because it looks nice and because it looks like they're helping kids, the assumption is, if it's good advertising, there's, they are, well, they're helping kids, Dan. But what if I told you a lot of NGOs involved with quote-unquote helping kids are also involved with child trafficking, 
and pedophilia. Oh my God, Dan, why would you assume that? Didn't you say we should assume the best in people? I also said, don't be stupid. You see, that's the other lesson from 2016 and 2017 I needed. Yes, have an open heart. Yes, be there for the widow, the orphan, the stranger. But never did Jesus say, be a moron. And I would say, as Jesus at the temple, as Jesus would say before the Pharisees, don't assume because people say they're doing good things that they're actually doing good things. Sometimes there's a spider in your glass. Sometimes they're trading. They're trading and they're conducting business. They're whoremongering inside the temple. And sometimes you got to be smart and recognize that that's not the stranger, that's not the widow, that's not the orphan, that's something else. And maybe you got to tip over your glass. Maybe you got to tip over some tables. Maybe you got to go into the temple and drive the spider out. As a spider in my beer glass, so the devil waits. Next topic, Dan, I know. I know. Next topic. Next topic, indeed. So, um, I kind of lost it the other day. As you well know, if you listen to my podcast, um, I really did. I, I lost it. And I lost it because... I've been hosting my blog on Bluehost since GoDaddy canceled me and GoDaddy stole my prepaid fees and GoDaddy stole my intellectual property and domains. Basically, GoDaddy treated me like a giant piece of crap. Yeah, I went to Bluehost. Why? Because it only cost 60 bucks and I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to give up my, on my listeners. I wanted to keep trying. In the last few months, there's been a pattern with Bluehost. And, and, and frankly, it looks non-linear, which means it looks like a curve going up. But there's been a pattern of outages. And most of the outages, most of the problems that occur that they call random server issues, most of these problems tend to occur when I'm doing a podcast or I'm doing a, a Christian service in a more appropriate sense. That's a better description like yesterday. Most of these problems happen when I feel as if the Holy Spirit is talking. And then all of a sudden, Bluehost just sort of, you know, craps out on me. I know that sounds paranoid, and I'm not setting myself up as special. How can I phrase this? I think millions of Americans are being treated this way. Millions. And it's not just about podcasting or having a blog. And I'm pretty certain that millions of Christians around the world are being treated this way or a lot worse. So I'm not special. If, if, if you think I'm saying that, you are fucking confused. In fact, it's a hopeful, goddamn idea that I'm either crazy or special. Because if you have to admit to yourself that your taxpayer dollars are being used for shit like this, as I recorded in Chazchopia in 2020, the BLM Antifa bullshit, as I recorded Seattle, City of Seattle employees, okay, fire department, Cops helping out inside of Chastopia. I got the video. 
Not that anybody's ever going to fucking see it once I get canceled, but I have the video, okay? If you let your mind go past the Andy no clue, Ian Miles wrong, it's just the commie liberals bullshit, and you accept the possibility that your entire fucking government is corrupt, that's scary. It's a lot less scary to think Dan is special or Dan is crazy. Dan being special or crazy is less frightening if you have to admit to yourself that every time you pay a tax, you're paying money to fuck somebody, to kill somebody. And as the Sound of Freedom points out, because I think it is probably, I haven't seen it yet, but if the argument is the CIA is trafficking kids, that's probably true. I don't think that's the whole story. I think the Vatican's been doing it longer and bigger, but yeah, yeah, your taxpayer dollars pay for that shit. It's easier to pretend that people are special. It's easier to pretend they're crazy. If for a moment you have to admit that your government is doing this, you have to admit that you are living in, in a shit-stained society in a neo-Stalinist hellhole, or another name for it is Sodom. So I got angry, and that's my mistake, because at this point, I should, I should learn to accept. If I have true faith in God, I should accept, especially if we're close to that, you know, point, eschatologically speaking, that we don't want to talk about, if we're close to that point when Christ will return, yeah, all of this would be happening, and it is happening. Does that mean with certainty? that the end times is starting? No. Did I say? No, I didn't say. Did Jesus say a thief in the night? You won't know for sure. I won't know for sure. We might see signs, but we won't know for sure. So let's wait and see, right? As far as Bluehost goes, it looks like, based upon my analysis, I'm about a month away from being canceled again and my fees being stolen. I could be wrong. But the other day, I was counting load times, and I literally predicted that my site would go down. I counted 15 seconds. Again, this is a PHP site, a WordPress site running on a Linux box. Even if it's a virtualized box, this is Linux. A 8-second load time is bad. A 10-second load time is worse. 15 seconds is terrible. When I got up to 30 seconds, I tweeted, I think my site's about to go down. And then it did. Does that make me a soothsayer? Does that make me Cassandra? Does that mean I can see the future? No. It's just that I have a Markov model of what's been happening to me in my head. And that Markov model is relatively accurate. And so it does look like Bluehost is treating me exactly the same way GoDaddy did, and SoundCloud, and YouTube, and even though I got my little blue check mark on Twitter for eight bucks, ask me how many accounts I've had. Ask me how many have been banned or shadow banned. When it's more than one institution, it probably means an FBI letter, 
a letter from the Department of Justice or the FBI basically saying, throttle this guy, slow him down, slow his roll, toss a monkey wrench in there. And you'd say, well, Dan, that's not legal. And then I would say, shithead. If you ever believed there was a rule of law, which I think might be questionable, post-2020, that does not exist. If there was a rule of law, I would have a bunch of lawyers knocking on my fucking door because I am not special, which means that this would be a class action lawsuit. And likely Bluehost, GoDaddy, and a lot of other companies would be sued out of existence. There's no rule of law. You fucking kidding me? So yeah, probably an FBI letter saying, throttle this guy, official letterhead, the U.S. government. Keep paying your taxes, though, and make sure you vote next year. Yeah. Dan. Oh, Dan. Really? I told you we would get back to the subject. The subject of the widow, the stranger, and the orphan. The subject of having an open heart. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. To save the lost, you don't have to become wicked. Dr. Freckles. What does that mean, Dan? Did you know that you can forgive someone of their sin without becoming a sinner? Did you know that you can be there for people without taking on, you know, their own personal mistakes? Did you know that you can help the lost and you don't have to become wicked yourself? In fact, that's the way you're supposed to do it, okay? If you're trying to save someone from sin, let's say that someone is committing adultery. And let's just be honest about what adultery is. Adultery probably isn't just having sex. Adultery is a violation of a commitment. And by the way, a commitment that doesn't require the government to certify it. For most of human history, people got married, people had babies, and there wasn't a fucking certificate shithead. There wasn't some magical government certification, oh, you're married. You want me to tell you what the certificate gets you? Nothing. I was married once. We had a certificate. Did it save the marriage? No. Adultery isn't about cheating on an official marriage. It really is about cheating, period. That when, when Christ says, you know, in a sense, we should be committed to each other in love in these relationships, we should be committed through marriage. He's talking about a bond. And when the Lord set it down a commandment, he was talking about a bond, a bond that is supposed to be strong. So if you're in that relationship and you go and you start having sex on the side, you're breaking that bond. And how can the Lord trust you? If you say you love someone that's right in front of you, you don't need a miracle. They're there every day. In a sense, they are a miracle, but they're there every day. You don't need to be told they exist. You can see they exist. If the Lord sees you breaking bonds like that, how in the hell can the Lord trust you? If you want a basis for that particular prohibition, that's my theory. If someone is sneaking around and you're trying to help them, do you start sneaking around yourself? If someone's a liar and always telling lies, do you start telling lies so you can ingratiate yourself and somehow save them? If someone is a drunk and they get drunk every day, and let me explain what I mean by that. 
If someone does something, whether it's drinking or exercising or hang gliding, I don't give a fuck what it is, and it could be drinking. If someone is doing something to the point that it excludes their commitments to their wife, their husband, their children, to God, and in that sense, they're drunk, and you could be going to the fuck, I'm, I'm lifting weights, Dan. Yeah, you're lifting weights, and your kids are wondering where the fuck you are. If someone is doing something to the exclusion of what they're supposed to do as a Christian, do you do the same thing in order to save them? Probably not. Probably not. If someone is drowning, do you jump into the water and drown with them? Or do you try to save them without fucking drowning? Like Dr. Freckles said, to save the lost, you don't have to become wicked. You don't. To save the lost, you don't have to become evil. To be a disciple of Christ, you can and you should be righteous, even if the person you're helping is not. That's the way. That's the path. But falling by the wayside because someone else fell by the wayside? That's foolish. That's dangerous. That's not a good idea. Next topic. And this last topic, I hope, does round things out. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Fun fact. Jesus wants us to love each other as people. But you don't have to love demons and you don't have to love fallen angels. Dr. Freckles. What does that mean? Well, people have a hard time with when Jesus says, forgive your enemies and stuff like that and love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. But what people often ignore is Jesus also drove out demons. He did that. He, he was at war with the spiritual forces, the dark spiritual forces of the earth. He never once said, you should love all your enemies to include the devil. He never once said, you should love everybody to include those that are possessed by demons. And yeah, if you're able to, you should drive out a demon. But I don't know how to put this. I think we're at the point in the game where the demons currently have the ball. If you're into football, okay, in terms of being on the offense. So if you think you're going to go around and drive out demons at this point in history, see the previous quote. I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I think a lot of that exorcism stuff might be functionally correct, but I also think you should be careful because you're probably, you know, not Jesus and neither am I. But even if you do try to do that, do you become a demon yourself in order to drive out the demon? But more importantly, do you tell the demon you love the demon, that Jesus loves you? The demon, it wouldn't make any sense to a demon. It wouldn't make any sense to a fallen angel. In fact, they would laugh at you just before they kind of just killed you. You should love your brother. You should love your sister. You should forgive. You should even try to love your enemy. But you don't have to love demons. And you don't have to love fallen angels. You should hate the sin and love the sinner. But you shouldn't love the sin. You should love the sinner. And demons and fallen angels are not your friends. Just like Satan, the ultimate fallen angel, they'll make you offers, 
that they will. You go to that crossroad, you say, I want to play the blues. And there'll be a demon that shows up and gives you a piece of paper. And like the insert for your drugs, the good drugs you get from your doctor, that paper is unreadable. That paper is not recognizable. You'll simply sign it out of desperation, just like you take the fucking drug. You don't read the insert, just like you took the vaccine, the warp speed vaccine that your good friend Trump gave you. You'll take it. You won't read the fine print, just like you would with the demon or the fallen angel. You'll take the deal. You're not going to read the fucking fine print. Some of you might, but at this point in time, what I learned from 2020 is enough of you are not going to do that. Enough of you will simply take the deal. Period. You'll put the coffee filter on your face. You'll ignore the cries of your neighbors. You'll show disdain to the widow, the orphan, and the stranger. And then, months later, you'll wonder why God abandoned you. Shithead. Read your fucking Bible. The chosen people, the Lord, pretty much always abandon God first. And then what they learn is God never abandoned us ever. In the darkest times, in the worst times, Old Testament and New, throughout all the covenants, when humans acted like crapheads, the Lord didn't say, I'm done with you, send a bunch of comets and destroy you. No. We continuously turned our face away from God. And yet God was always there. And then he gave us his only son as sacrifice to save everybody and yet we still turn away from him. So don't give me that God turned away from me. Not after 2020. Not everybody turned their gaze away from God. But what I saw in 2020, especially at your 501c3 certified churches, is a lot of Christians turned their gaze away from God. God was still there. Jesus is still right next to you. But a lot of you, you're looking to lowercase gods now. You know, like Anthony Fauci, or Donald Trump, or President Biden. You're looking to a lowercase god to worship. Bitcoin. Good luck with that, though, right? If you like this podcast, and as I always say, I have no idea why, you can donate. There's a link to PayPal. But before you do, unlike a crossroads demon... Unlike a fallen angel, unlike all those shitheads who pushed the vaccine on you, I'm going to tell you some plain facts, okay? Take care of your food, your water, your shelter first. If you are setting aside food for your family, like six months worth, and if you need more than six months, there aren't basements big enough, but assume it's six months. Um... If you're setting aside food for six months, make sure you think about your dog or your cat or your pet. My heart has a special place for a dog because a dog, and to some extent a cat, the dog's going to look out for you. The dog will guard your home. That dog, in all likelihood, will die to protect you. So if you're going to think about your kids when you put a little food aside, think about your dog too. And also note this, even if I think we are on the quote-unquote eve of destruction, in a way, even if I think we are near the end times, it's still not the end of the world. 
you got to read your Bible, the whole thing. In fact, if you read the book of Revelation and you go right to the end, you might have that feeling that there's some, something missing. And what's missing is a future that hasn't happened yet. There might be another word, another book that comes along after the kingdom. After all this, after all this happens, it's a mystery to me. It is not salvation critical what you believe happens after the kingdom. But what I will say is this. It's not the end of the world. And right now, we're in a window of time where you can still go to the grocery store without a mark, without any type of attacks on you. You can go to the grocery store and you can get food. You can still have a party. Another name for joining other people together at the same time that goes back to those four books that follow Genesis, that goes back to the time of the people in the desert. It's called a fellowship offering. When the Lord in heaven sees people together and they're not killing each other and they're not stealing from each other and they're not lying to each other, but they're actually happy and they're, and they're enjoying the fact that other people exist. When the Lord in heaven sees a group of people together, maybe they're just drinking wine, but they're not trying to destroy each other. That's called a fellowship offering. And the Lord smiles. It's not the end of the world. It could be the end of, the end of a period of time. I'm pretty certain when I told my listeners in late 2019 that the great discontinuity is here, that, that a period of history is over and history is unstuck and that Francis Fukuyama guy is full of shit. This is all true. And maybe it's more than that. Maybe we are on the verge of the end times. But even if that's true, right now there's a window where if there's something you haven't done for someone you care about, if there's a person you haven't seen, if there's a call you need to make, you, could, you should go make it. Before you send me any money, give yourself a break. Before you send me any cash, take time out. And, and maybe it is going to see a movie. I haven't been to movies in, in several years. I used to love to see movies. I don't like going to the theater anymore in part because of what happened in 2020. But that doesn't mean you have to be like me. Go out to dinner if you have the money. Before you send a stranger on the internet your money, try to take care of yourself too. And it's not just about your physical needs. It's about your spiritual needs. It's about your psychological needs. And as I've said so many times, in addition to the Lord wanting us to keep his commandments, the Lord wants us to be happy. The Lord wants us to be happy with each other. So do that before you send me money. But if you've taken care of everything I've mentioned, um, and you still have cash or gold or diamonds left over, and some way to convert it so that you can send it to me via PayPal, because if you send it in the mail, how can I put it? It'll never get here. And let's just leave it at that. If you have the resources, you can donate. If you have a ton of resources, you've taken care of all the stuff you need to take care of, you can donate as much as you want to. I am too poor at this point to refuse help. I am probably five weeks from being on the streets, and what little shit I have is likely to be given away. So I'll have a backpack, some food, some clothes, a Bible, a dictionary, and that'll probably be about it, and I'll hit the road. And 
If I have faith, I'll do so unafraid. What did Christ say? If you believe that mountain can be tossed into the sea, if you truly believe it, it will happen. So I have faith that the Lord's going to take care of me. But the reality is right now, I could use the help. I could use the financial help. So if you have the money, if you listen to the disclaimer, if you've taken care of the things I mentioned, and you really do have that extra cash and you want to, donate. But you don't have to. The reason why I do the pitch at the end and I do it the way I do it isn't to do a soft sell. The reason why I do it is because, A, I think you should have to have you know gotten through the podcast to ever expect to have to pay for it, A. And B, I know a lot of people don't have money. Nobody's got cash for all the printed money. This is the funny thing since 2020. I told somebody I knew in 2020 that I thought it was global austerity. And because this interrupted this person's worldview of Donald Trump, it was shaken away with fists and waves. For all the fucking printed money out there, I don't know any motherfuckers with a wheelbarrow full of, cr full of cash. For all the printed money out there, I don't know anybody with extra money. You might live in a fallen city where the printed money gets handed out to communists every day. But for people like us, the people I know, we don't have shit. For all the printed money, we are falling deeper and deeper and deeper into the morass. And no amount of Bitcoin is going to fix that. So yeah, if you're a Texas millionaire and you come across my podcast, you could help me and people I care about not become homeless. Because really, I'm just an old scruggly. But there are people I care about that have sheltered me, who, who, who have allowed me to rent a room for two years, and their situation isn't going to be much better than mine. So I would say, if you're a Texas millionaire, here's my promise. I'm not a crossroads demon. I'm not a fallen angel. I'm a Christian man, and I'm not perfect. If you gave me enough money, I would buy a home so that people I care about, to include me, don't end up homeless. It's 4.32 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Scompton. The crickets are cricketing. The birds are starting to chirp. The animals are around doing their morning work. It is Thursday, July the 20th, 2023. Tomorrow's Friday. To reiterate a point, um, in this window of pseudo-normality that we're in right now, pseudo-normality, and you have the money before you send it to me, why don't you go do something this weekend that'll make you happy? Maybe you're not a Christian. Guess what? That's, I mean, I'm not going to say that's okay. But what I will say is, is that you have as much a right to listen to my podcast as anyone else. And you can agree or disagree with as much as you want to. In fact, you should think. If you're a Christian, I'm going to let you know a little secret that's not really a secret if you've read the New Testament. Jesus, the Lord in heaven, wants us to be skeptical. The Lord wants us to ask questions. The Lord wants us to be intelligent. 
We were made in his image. Do you think that God is a dope? So if you're an atheist listening, I understand. I was on that journey. Maybe that's the journey you're on till you die. But that's okay too. What I'm telling you, if you're an atheist, a Samaritan, a Christian, whoever you are out there, tomorrow's Friday. The weekend's coming. Right now, we're in a window of a kind of normality. And even if you don't believe in God, I believe God smiles. When people can live in this world and be happy, to be joyful, God smiles. So go out there. Go out there into the world. Take what resources you have. Do the things you need to do. And try to, if you can, a few of the things you want to do. And remember that if we can be around each other without killing each other, without bashing each other's heads out, without turning on our brother, which is a thing going right back to the beginning, if we can be around each other and live in peace and love, and that doesn't mean we're all going to be friends, by the way, okay? <laughs> Nothing about forgiveness and love means we're all going to be friends. But if we can be around each other in peace, God smiles.